few verses from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go up and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Just love the honesty in the heart of the psalmist as he talked to you about everything, anywhere, anytime you were there for him. And Lord, our souls are downcast sometimes, too, because of personal matters and sometimes the things that are happening in the world, like the war in Ukraine. We pray for that situation today. Pray for diplomacy to win the day and peace to come. We pray that the war won't spread further and pull Europe and even the United States into war. Lord, there are refugees fleeing that country. Some of those are John Huber's wife, Luba's family. So we pray for the Ukrainians today. The refugees would make it to European countries And the citizens who have to stay would be safe. While it is a little chilly this morning outside and in this building, even I think about the people in Ukraine that have no heat at all in winter or water or food. Lord, we want to thank you that you're so gracious to us and have given us so much. But our hearts go out to those who don't have those necessities. And we pray that they their needs will be met by you. We pray that the stress that we have felt for these past two years will turn to Jesus. And that those who feel that stress and that anxiety and that worry and that tension, Lord, will turn to Jesus and be saved and find peace. Lord, this is such a a crucial time right now to be in your word and to not be deceived and fall away from you and just back away from you in any way. We need to be close to you, abiding in you, seeking you on fire for you, Lord, sharing our faith. Lord, we pray for the the events of the next weekend, the leadership training event and then the revival. We pray that that will be good for our souls, that we will be revived and that uh, the spark of a revival may spark out from us and this church into our community. We pray for our community that it would be a place where you would be welcomed and invited and be on the move. And thank you for your healing touch that you've been helping Pat Sutton's uh, stress fracture in her back. And we pray that that, the procedure to correct that will be early this week. And we thank you that you've helped Vicki Trustee's back to be better. And anyone that needs a a healing touch this morning, would you grant that? That's an easy thing for you to do, Lord. You have all power. And so our eyes are on you this morning, and we ask for your continued presence in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the children at this time to come up, and I'll pray with them for their class.
Okay, Miss Casey's ready for y'all. Thank you, Lord, for the children here today. And I do pray for them that they will be receptive, that their hearts will be open to you today. And I know they are. And we know how much you love them. Bless Casey as she presents a lesson to them to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, Pastor Charles, if you would uh, kindly, I'm going to ask Pastor Charles if he would walk around and uh, give you an opportunity. If the Lord has done something in, in your life that you'd like to share with the rest of us this morning that would edify and encourage us and build up our faith, just something brief. If there is anyone who want to give you that opportunity today. Um, Ted and I have been praying for months for a dear friend of ours up in New York who's just gone through one life crisis after another. Um, she's a Catholic, so she knows that Jesus is Savior, but I don't know where her heart stands. So throughout this whole ordeal, I've tried very hard to encourage her that to watch for God's blessings. And uh, unfortunately, God was using that time to bring her to her knees. But at any rate, this past week, a few things went well for her, including uh, she had she's under treatment for cancer. And after having chemo, it appears that the cancer has been eradicated. Wow, so praise, praise the, Lord. the Lord for that. But more importantly, as we spoke afterwards, as I reminded her that all these things were blessings, that every good thing comes from the father. She agreed. And to me, that was better than the test results. So praise God for his faithfulness. Amen. Thank you. So Kelly, my sister Kelly and I have a praise today that God blessed us with a wonderful father who's having a birthday today. Oh. And um, so he's 85 today, which is a, just a huge mile marker. And we're so blessed to have had him as a dad and continue to have him as a dad. We just thank God for him. All right. Happy birthday to you, Mr. Allen. Okay, thanks, Pastor Charles. Okay, we're going through the book of James. We're in chapter four. And just two verses today will be my text. James four eleven and 12 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law... You were not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We saw last week and we see it here in this text that there were some issues, some problems in the church that James was preaching to and addressing. We play God. When we judge and condemn our fellow Christian, because only God is qualified to judge. What I'd like to do this morning is to ask some questions that, that seem pertinent or relevant to me about the topic of judging others and try to answer those questions right from the word of God. So the first question is, is there ever a time to judge someone? It doesn't seem like it in our politically correct culture. We're to tolerate everything, in fact, celebrate everything. 
In fact, if the unbeliever doesn't know many verses in the Bible, they certainly know the verse that says, don't judge me. And, and that's a mantra. Don't judge me. But of course, judgments have to be made. Societies have laws and societies have people called judges who do nothing but judge people all day long. People's actions have to be discerned and evaluated. Think of in the business world. The boss has evaluates and judges your work. And if, if you're not doing a good job, if you're failing in the workplace, you get fired. Now, let's pull this around to spiritual matters. First Corinthians 2.15 says the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So if I'm a spiritual man, I have to make judgments. I evaluate the teachers and leaders that I sit under, that I listen to on YouTube or the podcasts I listen to. I make sure that is this doctrine sound that I'm listening to. If it isn't, I have to reject it and turn from it. Jesus gave us criteria in, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 about evaluating of the prophet. Is this person's life? Are they living it? Are they speaking the truth? If not, I'm to reject them. That's all over the New Testament. Jesus said, you'll know the false prophet by their fruit. So the example of how they're living their life. We have to make judgments all the time. We judge or evaluate the moral choices of our fellow Christians. We, we say it says in the word that if a brother sins, I'm to go to him or her. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So to say that we can never judge ever someone is silly. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. We have to make judgments and discern situations. But how Jesus meant it in Matthew 7, and we'll look at a couple of those verses later, and James's meaning in here, here's how I would define how they're using it in those situations. To condemn someone, criticize, be judgmental. Thinking you're better than someone else. That's how we're going to use to judge or judging the rest of the way through this message. So I want you to get this first part. Yeah, we have to ju make judgments. We have to evaluate people in situations. But to criticize, condemn, think we're better. That's what we're going to talk about next. So the next question I want to ask and answer is, why do we judge others? I think... The first reason is under letter A, to excuse our faults. In Matthew 7, 3, Jesus says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Romans 2, 3, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself? That you will escape the judgment of God? When I'm pointing my finger at someone, notice there are three fingers pointing back at myself. When Jesus says, you focus on the speck in somebody else's eye, but you miss the two by four in yours. See, when somebody else sins and I look at myself, I think, well, I'm not so bad. We 
accuse others and excuse ourselves. How do we excuse our sins? I think we relabel them. I'm not a gossip. I'm just really concerned about that person. I'm not passive. I'm just a laid back guy. I'm not negative. I'm just realistic. So we're letting ourselves off the hook all the time by relabeling those things. But yet we're accusing our brother of being a gossip and too passive and a negative person. We tend to judge others what we dislike about ourselves. It's called the mirror effect. If you ever see somebody overreacting to someone else's faults, it's usually because they're doing the same thing or fear they will. So we tend to react strongly in others, the weaknesses that we have about ourselves. Another reason, B, it appeals to our pride. And that's a strong motivator. It says in Proverbs 26, 22, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. When I judge someone else, I usually tell my friends about it. This is gossip. The Bible condemns this sin as strongly as any other sin. Why are we all ears when gossip is shared? Pride? It makes me feel superior to them. I have insider information now. And it makes my sin seem smaller. Let's suppose I'm in debt $20 million or someone's in debt $20 million and I'm in debt $10 million. All right. I could point my finger all day at them and look at that huge debt they have. My debt is smaller, but it's still substantial. We eat up gossip because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. We have something over them. And that's our pride at work. Another question, a third question. Why should I not judge others? Now, let's look at what James says in our text, verses 11 and 12. The first reason, A, it's ungodly. In verse 11, James uses the term brother, which is the Bible term for describing a fellow Christian. We're family. So, We don't judge our brother because we're all part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters. When I see a fellow Christian, a brother or sister sinning, I don't rejoice. I don't tell everybody else. They're my brother or sister. I'm sad. I'm concerned. I want to offer to help them. I want to pray for them privately. It could be a ruse to say, hey, do you hear what so-and-so did? Let's pray for them. A man told a pastor that he had only one gift, the gift of criticism. And so the pastor asked him, are you familiar with the parable of the talents? And he said, yes, I am. So the pastor asked him in the story, the man who had the one talent, what did he do with it? He buried it. Well, that's what you should do with your one talent. James says, don't speak against a brother here. And and that's the word katalalio. That word, lalio, that part of that word means to say a meaningless sound. It's sort of like la, 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 la. And kata means down or against. 
So when I slander or speak against someone in a judgmental way, I'm speaking down or against them, and I'm saying nothing meaningful about them. Slander is so easy to do. We just have to open our lips. You know, slanderer is one of the devil's names. In Revelation 10, 12, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Like what he did to Job in Job chapters 1 and 2. He stands before God and accuses Christians. His job is to put Christians down, to judge them, slander them, accuse them, defame them, condemn them. And when we do that to someone else, we're doing the devil's work. We're doing his job for him. So stop it. It just can't be in the church. It's wrong. It shouldn't happen. The church should be a safe place. Yes, we need to challenge each other and we need to hold each other accountable. But we can't be muttering against each other under our breath or to others. And so if it comes your way, don't listen to it. Shut it down. Get out of that conversation. Leave that place. A second reason is the B, it's unloving. Verse 11, James talks about a law here. It's breaking the law. What law is he talking about? He could be talking about the Levitical law of Leviticus 19, 16 to 18, where in verse 16, it talks about don't slander someone. In verse 18, it talks about loving them. But I think he's probably referencing what he's already mentioned in James 2, 8. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. The royal law, the law of love. When I judge a brother, I slander him and I don't love him. I commit two sins against that person. And see, it's unjustified. He says that in verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge. That term lawgiver and judge is found six times in the Old Testament and one time in the New Testament right here. All seven times it references God. Only God has the right to judge someone. Only he is qualified. Only he has all the information about the situation. We don't. It's not in our job description. Let's ask another question. The fourth question, when do we judge others? And the A, when I'm practicing the same sin. And I mentioned this before. Boy, I remember this situation in the 80s. This is before the time of a lot of y'all. But in the evangelical world, there was a guy named Jim Baker. He was a famous TV preacher evangelist. And during that time, he was having an affair with one of the secretaries. And Jimmy Swaggart, who was also an evangelist at this time, was really criticizing him. All the while, he was seeing prostitutes. So the world hates Christians for this kind of stuff. And rightfully so. We've got to walk the talk. Now, some of you may remember the movie Harper Valley PTA. The self-righteous school board, they were indignant against Barbara Eden's short skirts. Yet they were doing far worse stuff. Just like the men in John chapter 8 who were ready to stone the woman. Remember that story? We all love what Jesus said to them in John 8, 7. 
when he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. They were sinners, too. Maybe they had also committed adultery, maybe even with her. So I don't have the right to be judgmental against my brother and condemn him because I'm a sinner, too. And maybe I'm committing the same sin, which makes me the worst of hypocrites. Here's another reason when I judge others. B, when I'm blind to my own faults. In Matthew 7, 3 to 5, this is Jesus speaking. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I love Jesus's humor, especially in serious situations like this. This is so vivid. We could picture the scene. We could picture someone with a telephone pole sticking out of their eye, right? A log. And that person is all worried about the guy who has a speck of sawdust in his eye. You see, judging you causes me to not be able to look at myself realistically. I'm too concerned about you to notice me. We're, we're great speck spotters and poor log spotters. Let's take our eyes off our brother's fault and then we'll be able to see our own. If we have to notice his sin at all, let it be that it helps us see our own. And that requires time for introspection, which oftentimes we don't take the time to do. I, I would say it's better just to start off saying, I'm the one with a log. And even if they have sin, it's usually smaller than yours. C. Another time. We judge is when I draw conclusions based on appearances. Very shallow stuff. Appearances. John 7, 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. The context here is the Pharisees were judging Jesus by outward appearances. Have you ever misread someone? You looked at their crazy colored hair. Are, are they full of tats or are their clothes? Maybe their pants are hanging way down and you made a judgment about that person based on those things. No, I think it's OK for you and me maybe not to prefer that hairstyle or the wear, wear your pants that way. But it's not OK to presume and assume that that person is an evil person because of how they wear their hair or what their clothes are like. Because, you see, God looks at our heart while we tend to look at the outward appearance. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his outward, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Here's another reason. When I condemn someone before I know the facts. Nicodemus was attempting to talk to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court about Jesus. And he says this in John seven fifty one to them, 
Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? It's a rhetorical question which demands the answer, no, our law doesn't do that. So it's unjust to judge someone before all the facts are in. When we judge someone by the court of public opinion, it's usually wrong. E. When I judge another's spirituality on the basis of externals. In Colossians 2.16, Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, you can't tell how good a Christian is by what they eat or what they wear. In the first century church where Paul is addressing, they had a problem of eating meat sacrificed to idols. You see, in the pagan temples that you would offer a sacrifice to the idol and some of the meat that wasn't used for that was sold in the temple butcher shop. And so you go there and get that meat. So some people said, no, you can't eat that. It's bad. And other people were saying, no, you can eat it. It's okay." And Paul himself said, I could eat that meat, but if it causes my brother to stumble, I won't. Christians argue about externals all the time that aren't important or profitable. Don't judge your fellow Christian who don't hold to your exact preferences. Love them instead. And F. When I judge another person's motives. When I judge another person's motives. First Corinthians four, three through five. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself. I have a good conscience, in other words, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Paul saying, my motives are constantly in question by my enemies. So wait till the Lord comes. Then he will make everything clear. Before that, nobody knows. Who knows what's in someone else's heart, really? Half the time, we don't know what's even in our own heart. I think this story will illustrate this. At this particular company, the guys decided to play a practical joke on one of their fellow employees. He was a single guy and it was Thanksgiving time. And so the company gave everyone a turkey. So they took his turkey before he could get it and put a big rock instead and wrapped up the rock. So he took that with him home. He got on the subway and he saw sitting in front of him a single mom and four children. So he struck up a conversation with her and he found out that they were really in need. Things were really tough and tight financially in their family. So he thought, well, you know, I'm just a single guy. I don't need this big, huge turkey. I'll give it to her. So he gave her his turkey. So imagine what she thought on Thanksgiving morning when she peeled the wrapper off and found a rock, a rock. 
the guy on the subway gave me a rock. What kind of a sick person do you have to be to do that to a single mom? She would probably wonder, why did he pick me out out of all the people on the subway to do this to me? So the following Monday, he goes back to work and all his buddies say, hey, how was your Thanksgiving turkey? And he said, oh, I don't know. I gave it away to somebody on the subway. So they told him the story of what they had done. And he was angry. He was horrified. He said, whenever I got on the subway after that, I never saw this lady again. So he didn't have a chance to explain and make it right. And she would go the rest of her life questioning his motives. So you see, we don't always know the situation. We don't really always know the motives of someone and why they did what they did. So let's wrap it up with the last question. How do I break the habit of judging? Okay, letter A. Remember, I'll be judged by the same standard I use to judge others. Okay, Matthew 7, 1 to 2. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Oh, no, I'm in big trouble. I don't want to hear this. God says he's judging you on the basis of how you judge others. No, God, don't do that. Be understanding with me. Be merciful to me. Of course, that's how you and I think. So do that to others. Be merciful to them. For what goes around comes around. And what I dish out to somebody else will be dished out to me. B. Remember, each of us is accountable to God. Romans 14, 12 and 13. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. One day we will all stand before God. He will be our judge. So how will he judge us? Not like you or I would judge someone. He'll do it perfectly, truthfully. Fairly, he won't base it on rumor, innuendo or hearsay, but on the truth. In human courts, people get away with murder all the time, but not there. Every idle word will be recorded. Every motive exposed, every thought laid bare. In James 5, 9, he says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And finally, see. Remember how merciful God has been to you. Back in James 2.13, he says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 18 of a man who owed $20 million. And so his master demanded payment. And he said, I can't pay you. It's way too big. It's impossible to pay this back. And and so the master forgave him of that debt because he asked him to and he begged him to. 
And so he no sooner left that meeting with the master and walked out into the street that someone coming the other way owed him twenty dollars. And he grabbed that guy by the neck and started to strangle him and said, pay what you owe me. And he said, I will give me time, please. And he said, I'm throwing you in jail until you pay me back. And the master heard about it. And this is what Jesus concludes that story with. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So the master says to the servant, is that how you want to play this game? Okay, we'll play that way. Do we really want to play that way? I don't think we do. So be merciful. Forgive that person who has offended you. Overlook the faults of others. Most people are goodwilled and they're trying to do their best to go through life. And if they're sinning, then go to them humbly and gently and help them. What James is talking about here and Jesus was talking about a lot in the Gospels is this sin is a real danger because we never see it in ourselves. It's really hard to detect. Got to be really introspective to see it. And so I'm going to close with prayer and pray that we will have that insight. Well, Lord, thank you for James's letter to this congregation that it's helpful to us. Because human nature is the same. We do have a tendency to look down on others and to cast judgment against other people, thinking we're better than them and condemning them, criticizing them. Oh, Lord, forgive us of that sin. And Lord, if you are specifically right now pointing that out to any of us here this morning, that we need to go to someone and make the situation right, that we would do that. May your Holy Spirit continue to work this word in us. Oh, Lord, let us be merciful to others and quick to forgive as you have been merciful and have forgiven us of far greater sins because it's against the holy and perfect God. But, Lord, we do thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. We receive it right now. Your word says if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, you could be doing that work right now as sin is confessed and repented of. Forgive, Lord. Be merciful. And then help us, Lord, to walk each day close with you, loving others. In Jesus' name.